Welcome to Booked, where two guys tell you about the books they're reading. I'm Rob Olson. And I'm Livia Snedden. This week we'll be talking with the head guy at Thunderdome, Michael Paul Gonzalez. But first, we're going to talk about his book, In Search of a City, Los Angeles in 1,000 Words. A little bit about the book. Here's the uh, synopsis that we pulled off the Thunderdome website. Inspired by photographs taken around the Los Angeles area, the book features short stories from 26 authors. Each author was asked to select a photograph from a collection taken by the editor and write a story of precisely 1,000 words inspired by what they saw. No more, no less. The result is quintessential Los Angeles. Dreams, drugs, hallucinations, romance, life and death, science fiction, fantasy, horror, and redemption. Like the city itself, the book is multifaceted, hard to label, and even harder to put down. All right. Um, so the book is uh, comes in a fairly odd size. It's six inches by six inches. Um, and then it consists of um, a photo with each story, which is a very, very cool concept I'm sure we'll be talking about. Um, and then some additional photos thrown in here and there, too, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty cool because... Um when you when you're looking at the when you're reading a story the story of just words has a significance to it but when you actually get to look at the picture that inspired it or that it was is built around um the context of it can change and also just looking at it you can see where they started from when they were beginning to make this story and and, and compare it to where they ended up and it's really interesting to see how far in some cases they went from from just this picture to, to the story that they built around it. So it's like an extra level of, of uh, insight into the story creation process. Yeah, the photos in the book were taken with an iPod touch, which we're not going to hold against um, either the uh, the editor or, uh, or the authors themselves. But uh, it just goes a long way to show you. I mean, some of these pictures are really, really great, and it goes a long way to show you how, um, you know, how cell phones basically can really be considered as an artistic tool, modern age stuff. Yeah, I don't know why we would hold it against him anyway, but I'm an Apple so, guy. Uh, that's yeah, <laughs> that's where I was going with that. <laughs> yeah, and the, um, he specifically, I, I think he said he in the in the back of the book, I think it was, he said all the photos were taken with the iPod Touch, like Livia said, and the Hipstamatic app, which uh, for anybody who doesn't know, it adds different filters and effects and stuff like that to to modify the photo that you're taking. So yeah, really cool pictures, and I was <laughs> I was excited to see that it was uh, it was taken on an Apple platform. See, I'm just glad I got my dig in first. That's all. <laughs> um, all right, back on track with the book. Um, some of you who have been um, longer time listeners uh, have probably uh, this title may sound familiar. It came up um, a lot in the warmed and bound sessions, as uh, quite a few of the authors in there um, also contributed to this to this anthology, and just such a cool concept and some really great stories in here. Yeah, we've been, uh, yeah, we've been hearing about it since what July, yeah, July, the end of July now. So actually, to get it in our hands was pretty cool. Agreed. Uh, you want to kick off with a story? Yeah, uh, the way we've been doing these story collections recently, we're going to kind of continue that tradition of, of talking about some of the the stories that we thought stood out the most. And the first one I have to talk about is is a story by Craig Walwick called El Bordello Alexandra. And I'm not going to go too much into the story because, again, all of these stories are a thousand words, so it's going to be difficult to describe it without, like Livius usually says, reading you the whole thing. Uh, but essentially, uh, the story is there's a real estate person who's showing, uh, I believe it's an apartment, to, to somebody, a very unique individual. And he turns out to be <laughs> even more unique than you'd imagine. And, and um, 
brings up some of the history of, of the building itself and stuff. And the thing I like about this story is that Walwick is really great at crafting um, descriptions for what's going on in a story. You know, if it's like the way that his, you know, you know, his bones are creaking as he's walking up a stair, but it's very um, uniquely descriptive and, and um, it's just really out there. Uh, the the originality and creativity he puts into it is just beyond what I you know I, I just I'm trying to I wish I had imagination as as colorful and rich as his so even just reading something that's very simple and short uh, he packs so much imagery into it it's it's a, it's a it's a real treat to to read. I will say this he I think probably had the the my favorite um, main character probably out of all the stories. <laughs> I really liked his unique, you know, his unique protagonist, I guess, as you kind of referred to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, the <laughs> Your first impression after reading a couple of Walwork stories would be like, you know, how did he get this weird, twisted imagination that he's got? It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's just very, very colorful. Agreed. All right. The first story I want to talk about is um, called Oms Bay, and it's by Nicholas Merlin Carpuck. And... Uh, this is a story that uh, it's a man kind of gets dragged into this search for a missing turtle. And we kind of watch with him as the plot, you know, unfolds and, and he comes to realize what this is all about. And just um, a very, very unique and I think a wholly original story. Um, it, it kind of the, the, the book itself, just in the in the whole in the whole layout starts out with you know, fairly normal stories. And it gets pretty weird in the middle, which is where I found myself really enjoying it the most. And this is one of the strangest stories um, in there. Again, I can't say a lot about it. Not familiar with, uh, with any of Mr. Carpuck's other works, but um, man, I'd like to see some more stuff from him. This was so original and just so well done that uh, yeah, definitely uh, worth a, a big mention here on the show. Yeah. I'm going to agree in a very short number of words. It's just a it's just a fantastic story that was very unexpected. And, and again, I mean, it's, you know, and you mentioned it a little bit, it's, it's a thousand words. It's not, it's not a whole lot of time to tell a story and, and to really have some impact. Um, it, it's, it's gotta be tough to do. And, and I think he really, really nailed it. For sure. Okay. The second story that I want to talk about is uh, a story called subtitles for a silent film. And it's by Nick Hauser. Again, the story is uh, something I like for the, the what I consider to be a pretty original idea. He creates a lot of scenery and history within that small space of a thousand words. And um, on top of just a really unique concept, he managed to put a pretty touching and romantic story in the middle of a really, really weird situation. And it, yeah, the way he pulled it all together, I thought was just... I don't know if it could have been done better than the way he the way he did it. Absolutely. The one thing about that story is there's um, yeah there's all this buildup and, and you're figuring out what's going on in this very very strange you know town with this community and just delivered the perfect ending. Just again, like you said, couldn't have been done any better than that. Yeah, I fully agree. Like the story could have been decent with with like a less powerful ending, but the way that he ended it was just like like I had a lot of respect for the story going going through it most like almost the whole time but then with that last sentence it was just like wow he really nailed it yeah it's um I, I'm gonna say you know for just the ending part of that story you know just simplicity at its finest how something so simple can be just you know again very impactful absolutely 
All right, moving along, I'm going to go to my next kind of strange story here um, by Nikki Gerlane, perhaps, called Sick Ticket. Um, It's probably the most disturbing um, story uh, of all of them, at least I thought it was, which is probably why it uh, fell fell high on my list here. Um, Basically, it's a story of two friends who go looking for, like, a rumored Marilyn Monroe that's still around and being used for... uh, for nefarious purposes and perversions. Um, and, and they go in, in search of this rumor that they heard and they, uh, they, they come, they find it. So, um, again, a very disturbing story. Some of it, I still can't quite wrap my mind around, but yeah, definitely, uh, definitely one that I actually went back and read a second time. As soon as I finished reading it, I really enjoyed it that much. Yeah. Very drug trippy almost, or, or just to, like playing with, the rules of reality and stuff, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In, in some ways it kind of like, I had that same feeling I had when I was watching the devil's rejects I or, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. Not the devil's reject house of a thousand corpses. The first time I saw that kind of that type of, of feel is, is what I got from it. So if in, intended or not, um, loved it. Absolutely loved it. <laughs> okay. I'm going to round out the choices I made for the stories I wanted to talk about with, um, a story by Michael Paul Gonzalez, who actually edited the book and is uh, the head guy over at Thunderdome. And the story's called Title. The reason that I liked it so much was just, it's a pretty heartbreaking story. It's it's definitely a love story with a lot of sadness. And, and you know, uh, he really had me feeling the the love and that, and that sense of loss that the main character had. And, um, again, much like, a, much like the subtitles for a silent film story he really stuck he really stuck it with the ending the way that he did the ending was just so like gut-wrenchingly like sad that um it made the story so great and and again we're talking about a story that's a thousand words so in order to convey that level of emotion in 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 such a short amount of space i think was really really great yeah, Gonzalez's story um, was was definitely good. It was, uh, I think, probably the most romantic story in the, in, at least in my opinion, or what I consider romance. I like to read um, in, in the in the collection. Uh, yeah, it had this really neat way of. He had a very neat way of tidying it all up. That kind of sort of brought you back to the beginning of the story, which is, uh, you know, when a writer does that and does it well, um, it, it's always a huge payoff. And he certainly did that in title. Um, yeah, I agree. That's a good note. I was I, I forgot to mention that, so I'm glad you brought that up. Mm-hmm. All right. And my uh, next story, um, Fry Girl by Gordon Highland. Um, it's just an extremely depressing look at, you know, just, you know, love and loss. And uh, along with uh, Craig Clevenger's story in here, uh, it, it kind of felt the most real to me of all of them. And it's a... Uh, it's about a guy who's recounting his his relationship with someone who uh, who committed suicide. Not a whole lot else to say there, except that it was extremely well written and, um, like I said, very very realistic. It didn't have that like crazy longing kind of feel to it. It was it was just a very very sad and very realistic story. Yeah, stark and real. And actually, it was uh, it was Highland's story that I thought the most of when I was talking about the idea of, of seeing the picture that it's, that he wrote the, the story mm-hmm. based on and seeing where he took it. Because, I mean, it's just a picture looking straight up at a billboard, and that's it. And and the story that came out of it is just 
you got to give a lot of you know you got to give a lot of props to someone who can who can go that far with with something as simple as a picture of the bottom of a billboard. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, back to the photos. You know, I can't get I can't get out of my head enough what a cool concept it was and how cool some of those photos were. And you know, just like you had said, just the fact that somebody could take that photo and spin it into something, I don't want to say completely different, but I mean, spin a whole tale around a very, very simple photo. Um, some of the photos, I wasn't at all surprised the the direction they went in, you know, the, the stories went in, but in some cases I was really um, much like Fry Girl, you know, no idea where this, where this story with this picture looking up at a billboard was going to go. Um, where some of them were, you know, I'm going to call them like, you know, low fruit. Like I, like, I was like, oh, I can see exactly where this, you know, story is going to go and be, you know, partially right in my expectations. Not that it was a bad story, but yeah, some of them really came out of left field and, and did a very nice job. Okay. And then um, the thing about this book, there's 26, there's 26 stories, right? Yes. 26 stories. And we've just talked about six of them. And I mean, I'd say most, if not all, I enjoyed and, and, in the process of trying to pick the stories I wanted to talk about <laughs> because Livius and I have had this issue where we'll, we'll choose the same story. So I, I brought a lot to the table this time. I wanted to make sure I had enough to talk about in case we were overlapping. Uh, there's 11 other stories I marked as, as notable that I could very easily talk about. Um, <laughs> Craig Clevenger's obsolescence I thought was fantastic. It's toward the beginning of the book and it's just um, like a very good picture of sadness and loss. Stephen Conley's story, Don't Feed the Animals, really simple, but uh, I really like that story, too. It was uh, <laughs> definitely a <laughs> It's something that you read it, and you're like, wow, that was really cool. And then you think, I never would have ever conceived of that in my life. York, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Doc O'Donnell's Your Personal Apocalypse I liked a lot. Uh, Walls in the Sand by H.R. Tardiff I thought was a great story. Uh, a little more out there, but um, a really well-put-together thing. Uh, the, the list goes on. Bob Pastorella's Al Alexandra was great. Richard Thomas, the Jenny store. So I, what I'm trying to say is like, there's so many really, really top quality stories in this book. It was difficult to choose the three that I, that I wanted to talk about. And I think one of the reasons I wanted to talk about them was like, it had each of them kind of had this like little moment where they touched me a little, a little deeper or, or struck me, caught me a more by surprise or something. And that's, that's the reason I chose those. But I mean, man, I could have easily talked for three hours about the great stories in this book. Oh, absolutely. And and I agree with you on all of your standout stories. I'm going to toss in a couple more that I really liked. Um, Stuart Gibble, Break on Through. And just real briefly, it was, it's about a guy who's talking Jim Morrison's ghost in a going away. And uh, just fantastic. Um, Pela Villa's Bathhouse, um, again, just a, a terrific story from her. Uh, you know, and you, like you said, I go on and on about these, and they're you know far, far more gems than just average stories in this in this uh, anthology. And Chris Deal is always awesome, but we we bl- we gush about him so often. I wanted to give somebody else a chance. <laughs> and you took care of him there too. So, <laughs> yeah. I have one more um, quick note, and this is something um, that I actually did notes on paper this time, so I kind of missed this when I was talking about Sick Ticket. Um, Nikki Gerlane gets absolute more bonus points for mentioning the movie Bubba Hotep um, in her story, too. So 
That's that great. enough. Great. That enough is is a worthy mention. If someone can pull Bubba Hotep out and uh, <laughs> toss it into a story, for those of you that don't know, one of my favorite movies, and uh, it's about Elvis and JFK in their old age um, in a retirement home fighting a mummy. You make a recommendation for a movie too, on top of a good book to read. Cool. So, um, how about we just do a quick little wrap up? You want to get it started off, Livius? I'm um, sure. Uh, you know, like Rob said, 26, 1000 word, um, stories. Again, if this wasn't for review purposes, this is one I would have liked to have let a lot of those stories soak in a little longer, um, instead of reading them, you know, in groups of eight or 10 or whatever I was reading them in. Um, and you know, more you say there's great stories, but the cool thing about this book is, um, is the pictures. This is definitely going to be a, a coffee table worthy book on top of just a good read for you. If you're looking to do, uh, if you're looking, uh, you know, for something to read and then to have some further use for it other than reading, it's certainly something you could leave out that'll garner interest not only because of its size, but because of the the quality of the artwork that's in it. So I'm going to give this uh, five stars. Okay. There's a lot of things I like about the book, so it's going to be difficult to, like, boil it down to the, the basics. But um, the way that I think about it when I think about how I would introduce people to it is, I mean, you've got a lot of really good names of people. I've read, we, Livius and I, have both read a bunch of stuff by a lot of these authors. And if I, this would be, for me, a great way to introduce someone to one of these authors. If I just had someone over at the house and I had this book laying around, I'd say, hey, this is, just check this story out really quick. This is a guy I really like. Or, or just lend it to him and say, this won't take you more than you know an hour or two to read, but there's some fantastic stuff. You might find someone you really, really like in there. So... Um, the marriage of the photos and the, and the stories was a really, really cool approach. And it was, it obviously worked way better than, um, you know, I, I I pictured it in my mind working. So overall, I'm going to give it a five, two. It's a really, really great concept and it was very well executed. All right. And now that we've got that pesky book review out of the way, we can actually talk to Michael Paul Gonzalez. I'm going to read his bio from the book here as an introduction. Michael Paul Gonzalez has met many interesting and dangerous animals in Los Angeles, including actors, agents, chimps, models, baristas, and tigers. Some have left him scarred, others smiling. Michael, thanks so much for taking some time to come and talk to book tonight. Hey, great to be here. All right, Michael. Um, just got done reviewing your book, In Search of a City. Uh, it's a collection of stories inspired by pictures that you took, which I think is very, very cool. Um, how did you get the idea for this unique collection? Well, it was, uh, man, um, basically it was started with me trying to get in better shape. So um, I live by the beach here in Los Angeles, uh, and so I started jogging every morning. Um, and I started noticing all these cool you know, graffiti and just weird things that I would, you know, come home and tell my wife about, but, you know, you can't quite describe what you're seeing. So then, uh, when it came time to replace my, uh, my MP3 player that I was using, I got an iPod touch with a camera on it. I knew, um, I I'd actually started previously, um, jogging with a camera. I should say that too, but that got a little cumbersome. So, uh, I got an iPod touch and the hipstamatic app, uh, long story short, I guess. And I just started, um, you know, taking pictures of all the crazy things that I, that I started seeing and, uh, you know, got to, I was posting a lot of them on Facebook and people seemed to like them quite a bit. And, you know, I decided I should do something with them. So, you know, why not share them with the writers I know and see what we can put together. <laughs> Rob, that's, that's the problem is that we don't try to get any exercise. And that's why our creativity is stifled. I think that's it. Cause we're just lazy <laughs> bastards. That might be it. That's true. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, 
the thousand words all your all the stories in the book are are exactly a thousand words is that a play on the whole uh, picture is worth a thousand words kind of thing yeah actually i mean basically what i what i wanted was to make something that was a little bit different than um you know a typical short story collection so playing with the with the hipstamatic app with all the all the photos being in the you know the square format um i knew i wanted to get the book i actually wanted it to be smaller even than the than the one you know that that we ended up doing at six by six but uh it, just with word count and everything it got a little crazy so i knew i you know i needed to keep the story short and of course you know pictures worth a thousand words was the the first thing that came to mind with that so yeah i mean mainly it was just to to get a nice you know tiny size collection uh, kind of inspired like um pearl jam's album vitalogy you know how it's like dear if if people even remember cds uh, <laughs> when it came out way back you know 20 years ago or whatever that was it was like in a in a book essentially um and i really liked the way that was put together so i was kind of doing something a little reminiscent of that you know with uh, trying to give it a little bit of a vintage look and you know see what happened when it all came together you know, from from time to time, I miss the painfully obvious, and it took Rob saying that a picture is worth a thousand words for me to go. Oh yeah, yeah, I could see where that that would uh, that could be the inspiration <laughs> for that. Um, how did you find that as far as writing to very very specific length? I mean, did you find yourself? Um, I know it's a word I'm looking for, not handicapped. Did you find you overwrote and then had to go back and trim, or did you struggle specifically in your story? Um, you know, to to get to a thousand words, or how how do you how do you call that down to exactly a thousand, or get it up to a thousand when you've got your story idea and then need to make it a specific word count? Yeah, I got kind of lucky with mine, I guess. Um, I started writing. Um, I got the basic idea. I started writing and um, kind of hit a stopping point for the day, and I was around 600 words, and I knew what I wanted the end of the story to be. So, you know, I kind of started, you know, I'd add a couple paragraphs, and it was kind of, um, I don't know, like, you know, I could see the finish line, so I could kind of pace myself and <laughs> land on it. Uh, you know, I probably went over, you know, 100 words or so the first time and just kind of had to whittle it down a little bit. But, um, yeah, I mean, I guess uh, it's it was, it was actually a lot easier than I thought it would be. With my, my background's actually in uh, my... I have a degree in playwriting, so, you know, all through college, um, one of the things, you know, length and, and, and hitting specific, you know, uh, I guess for, for us it would have been minutes, but, uh, you know, page count, word count, that kind of thing has always been kind of a, was a focus for me when I was learning how to write. So that, that part of it, you know, especially with the short form is, is a little easier for me than, than some of the complaint letters I got from some of the authors, you know. <laughs> As the book was progressing, where everyone's like, "Ah, oh, this is this is crazy." I have like you know two thousand words, and you know, so it was, was kind of cool seeing who who had you know I wouldn't say trouble, but you know who had to work on it a little more, and who just kind of you know nailed it, and you know said they you know got got pretty close on their first try. So. <laughs> first of all, I want to go back and say I can't believe vitology came out that long ago <laughs> uh, well i know i know just I, I feel ancient when i see um you know I, all this uh you know nirvana's album just in nevermind just hit past 20 years and you know yeah. pearl jam is they're making documentaries about him now and I, I feel like oh that was like that was last year when that came out wasn't it you know yeah, it's it so recent. yeah <laughs> um and then the other thing you mentioned with your story you knew how the ending you you had in mind and it just mm -hmm. reminded me of one of the stories that we talked about when we were reviewing the book just a second ago was 
I brought up your story as being one of my favorites, and it was that ending that like I thought made it took it from a good story to like a very good story. So the fact that you brought that out it just reminded me of how much I liked it. Well, thank you. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, one of, the, I guess my one of my strengths in in terms of the writing process is I usually tend to have a really clear idea of where I want things to start and how I want things to end, and it's just everything in the middle that turns into a, you know, <laughs> that's that's the hard part most of the time. But uh, yeah, I always try to stay locked on to you know an image or a, you know a phrase or something that that kind of helps get me through it. Um, okay, shifting a little bit away from. Uh, the book just for a second. Uh, let's talk about Thunderdome in general. Do you mind telling us a little bit about what it is and maybe how it got started? Oh, yeah. Wow. Long, long story. I'll try to do the condensed version. Um, basically, uh, um, I was, I can't remember when I joined uh, Czech Polonik's website, The Cults, um, years ago. Um, and we were, you know, I was on there probably for a good couple of years uh, when they got ready to switch over their whole system from. I think they were using vBulletin, and then they switched over to Drupal just to get extra nerdy here. Um, but essentially, there came a time in uh, one of the nights where they said, basically, you know, we're uh, everything's switching over, so you know, we're leaving the A forum up, um, but anything you post here is going to disappear. So, you know, everybody on the boards kind of went crazy, and you know, people started saying, "Oh, this is Thunderdome," you know, "fight to the death," and. So, you know, people were posting things that, you know, you're usually not allowed to post or, you know, going crazy because they knew it was going to disappear. So then the next time a maintenance thing came up um, where it was going to be a, a longer downtime, I, I made a temporary message board on one of my web servers and people came over there and, you know, we just kind of kept the Thunderdome name going. And it kind of just it stayed alive after that as its own little web forum. And then... Um, most of us there were, you know, creative types and, you know, into arts and writing and whatever. So we just decided, you know, we should try to, you know, make something more than just a just a bulletin board. Um, and that kind of grew into short stories. And uh, initially, and we're actually redesigning the site in uh, probably January. I say we. I'm the one that does all this stuff. <laughs> I'm redesigning the website um, probably in January. Um, when we launched it, it had sections for initially we thought, you know, We'll do sports, we'll do reviews, we'll do, you know, kind of one of those kid in a candy store things where we were just like, yeah, we'll do everything with this website. And, you know, so some of that worked and some of that not so much. So there's there's a lot of sections on there that have been neglected or abandoned that we probably need to, you know, take away. And um, so the focus, you know, now is obviously more on short stories and poems every once in a while. And uh, we've got enough enough content, I guess I should say, that, you know, we really need to we're going to look into redesigning the menu system to make all the stories easier to find. We've done a lot of serialized work. Um, Ryan Wilson, who's one of the authors in this book, has a novel in progress, and we serialized. He was the first one. We serialized um, some chapters from his book, and he knows Dennis Cruz, who's also in the book, um, So, uh, who's a great, great poet who's uh, fantastic to listen to live. Um, he has some videos up on our site, too, and uh, – so he was the next one, and then that turned into um, Pablo Dester, who is not in the book, but I hope I said his name right. <laughs> but he's, uh, you know, he's a great guy that does a lot of independent publishing work, and you know, we actually did a whole novella from him. So, in between short stories and themed collections and everything, that's that's kind of where we are now. And it, you know, it's just kind of felt like, you know, why not why not add books to the mix and get out there in the physical world as well, you know. You guys did a great job with uh, with this one. So, 
Oh, thanks. Uh, yeah. Um, what else do you have on your plate? What else is Thunderdome going to be uh, bringing us here in the near future? Well, we've got um, my main thing. I still have a stack of photos. Um, the the great thing, I guess, in doing this book, you know, and I I'm working was working with the uh, iPod Touch, and then obviously the iPhone, the new iPhone started the whole, you know, launch rumors right around the time I was taking pictures for the book. And, you know, I knew I was going to have a better camera on it than, um, than the iPod touch, obviously. So, um, I hesitated for a second and I thought even of retaking some of these photos with the better camera, but didn't, but now I've been uh, doing a lot more with this, uh, phone. So I'm probably going to do another book of another LA collection, which we'll be announcing probably a call for submissions, I hope, in January, possibly February. So anyone that's interested can uh, go to our website to uh, keep an eye out for that. So we'll do another book like this, probably going to be a different, um, I don't know what you call it, layout or format, just because this, with our distributor, um, this 6 by 6 format, I guess they don't open it up to wider release. So we can only do it through Amazon and we can only do it through um, our website. Whereas if we have a more standardized shape, it'll be available, you know, Barnes and Noble and uh, hopefully retailers will be able to order it. Um, so hopefully it'll be, you know, the second one will be bigger, better, wider release. Um, yeah. So those are some of the projects that we have uh, coming up. Very cool. Um, one of the things that we mentioned during our review, and I want to mention, I know we didn't mention it earlier when we were actually talking about the book. I'm very excited that you're doing another project like this. Some of the photography is just was very, very cool. So my congratulations to you, not just on editing a fine piece of work, but um, and you're putting it together. You did a really great job with, with some of those photos. So. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, it's been really fun. My wife's a photographer, so um, I've learned uh, a lot from her. I, sh I go out and shoot with her, you know, on, on real cameras, I guess you could say, uh, SLR cameras. And uh, But just having, you know, having this app, I mean, it's one of the greatest things ever, you know, <laughs> to, to just uh, capture moments and simultaneously, you know, the, obviously in this case, the, the program's doing most of the work in terms of making the photo look cool. You just have to kind of frame it, you know in a good way um but you know la is a great city for for photos in terms of seeing things that uh, that you wouldn't see elsewhere or wouldn't think you could see anywhere so there's a lot more to a lot more to come in that respect <laughs> i think um <laughs> maybe maybe livius was one of the reasons he was so impressed is because um Otherwise, with Hipstomatic, all he ever saw was like me taking a picture of whatever burrito I was eating on a given day. <laughs> hey, that that can be artistic as well, you know. There's a lot of uh, <laughs> there's a lot to be said about food art, you know. <laughs> no, but seriously, with um, those pictures, one of the things that um, I hadn't thought of, and I was kind of, I, I mentioned a little bit earlier in the review, was um, seeing what the picture was, and then what someone did with it was really. I think it added another layer to uh, otherwise what would have just been words. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of the things I was really impressed with uh, on a couple different levels. Um, one being that um, the photo batch that I gave people to choose from was, I don't know, like 500 photos that people sifted through to pick these. And um, I mean, at first I was like, Oh, that's the one they picked, you know, like, and some of them, <laughs> you know, kind of obviously like are, are kind of iconic. I think, you know, Bob Pastorella, Everybody that there's there's two photos two people chose photos from that uh, Bordello Alexandra which is an actual building in Venice Beach that has crazy statues all over the roof and just I mean it looks like 
Anne Rice had like an LSD bad trip and then spat this house out onto the street, essentially. Um, it's a really gothic looking New Orleans house with just six foot tall centaurs and devils and things on the roof. Um, so that, you know, those are like, to me, that those seem to lend themselves more to a story. And then, you know, we get, um, you know, like Richard, who uh, Richard Thomas, who chose, you know, a picture of a, a store that's called Jenny out on Santa Monica, you know, that was shuttered when I took the picture. And I was like, oh, what's he going to do with this? You know, so it was really cool to see what, where everyone's mind went. And the, the other cool thing is that there's only um, I hope I'm not. Let me guess. There's three of us, four of us, really, that live in Southern California that are in this book out of 26 authors and maybe two more people who've actually you know, really spent any time even in this area, uh, maybe Craig Clevenger and, and, uh, Pela, uh, via, um, but everybody else, you know, we have people that, there are people that have never set foot in this country <laughs> that, <laughs> that wrote, um, you know, Victor who has the, the last story in the book is he's, I don't, I don't think he's ever been to California, but it's, it really feels, you know, like a, like a California story. And Matt, Matt um, Doc O'Donnell, his story, I, I told him when he sent me an early draft, I was like, did, did you look at a map for this? And he's like, no. And I said, it was just crazy. His story is in first-person perspective, uh, essentially taking you on a walk down Venice Beach. And I said, you, you got everything except for one wrong turn. You did everything in the exact order that you would have seen it on, on the beach, which is really crazy. So there's just some kind of weird – I guess that's one of, one of the reasons I, I, I like this subject for a book is because L.A. is just such a – such a, uh, I don't even know what you could call it, a symbol of, of America to the world. Like, I think everybody knows it without really knowing it, you know? So it's it's just such a ubiquitous thing, I think, when you think of American culture, um, which is, it's starting to change. But, I mean, L.A. is, like, the main exporter of culture to the world. So it's kind of cool seeing that come back and see, seeing what people do with it. You just outed um, Doc O'Donnell for having watched one too many movie montages, you know, towards the end there where it's like like the girls are skating on the beach kind of thing. So (laughs) we'll we'll have to check with him because I'm pretty sure that's where he got all his info. Uh, Wouldn't surprise me. Speaking of the foreign friends of our show, um, Malaz Corbier, our Dutch correspondent, uh, sent in a Malaz Minute um, in particular for your interview. and, uh, And here it is. There are a fair few people who are looking for the so-called missing link. There are also people who are examining Michael Paul Gonzalez, aka Monkey Boy, and claim they found the answer. But they have not. Gonzalez is not a missing link. If certain apes decided to evolve into Gonzalez's, and from that point on, some of those further developed into human beings as we know them, then tell me how millions of them aren't even capable of forming proper thoughts, such as Dan Brown can't write for bleeding shit, while Gonzalez writes books that are as funny as all hell. Also explains to me why both apes and human beings love bananas while Gonzalez can't stand the fuckers. It's absolutely 100% certain that Gonzalez isn't one of us, but he sure as hell isn't one of them apes either. We all know he's something in between. Now only time will tell what that exactly means. Oh, Malaz, he's such a crazy man. Um, he, <laughs> he's been a really, uh, really great supporter of the book, and it, it, it's cool to hear him say the things he did uh, about me philosophically uh, and my my relation to and or descent from apes um, <laughs> kind of me in a nutshell through the eyes of, a, of the crazy Dutchman I guess um, <laughs> he's been uh, I, I really do like him he's been helping me quite a bit with uh, 
uh, one of uh, my novels that I'm finishing up editing here, trying to get into shape for, for release. Uh, so always good to hear from him. Um, yeah, definitely. We love having him on and when we can get him. And uh, I have to say that's probably the best and most positive reaction we've heard. <laughs> <laughs> Man, he, he knows I'm bigger than he is. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> but um, he, he and you both just brought up a good point. Like, um, there seems to be a monkey theme in, in, in your life. Is there an origin for that or is it just kind of a coincidental? Um, no, it's a, again, another super long story, but, um, essentially, and, uh, when I was getting my master's degree, we all decided to get, it was a very small core group of playwrights and we all decided to get t-shirts for a softball team that didn't exist essentially that, you know, we, we came up with a name for our team and then everybody decided that on the back of their, uh, Jersey would be, you know, some kind of nickname or something. And, uh, earlier in the, and this is going to be so lacking in humor out of context or maybe not, but, um, we had to freestyle, write a play about, um, I don't even know what it was. Everyone was taking a line from the play. And eventually like when it got to me, um, I was writing about a guy who was trying to be an animal wrangler backstage and had to put a condom on a monkey. Uh, so that stuck in people's heads and they're like, Oh, you should be monkey. Right. Like, you know, monkey and playwright. Um, and actually do like monkeys, apes. They're my favorite animals. So I managed to that year somehow work monkeys into like five plays and it just kind of snowballed out of control from there, I guess. And they've been, <laughs> they've been a solid part of my life since college, I guess. <laughs> I'm going to out Livius right now. We were just talking before we, uh, we called you into this call and, um, <laughs> there's a forum where you, you have this animated picture of a monkey. And, uh, he said that, <laughs> I don't remember exactly what you said, Livius, but it was something about how, uh, it's like hypnotizing for you. Like he can't stop looking at it when he, when he says it. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like, well, monkey turns his head and like taps his chin a couple of times. And I swear I catch myself. Like, I think I was just staring at this for like 15 seconds before I moved on. It's, it's very hypnotic and mesmerizing. It is. It's like those little, uh, when you go to Chinese restaurants and they have those cats on the counter with the fist oh, that yeah. kind of keeps waving mm-hmm. up and down. It's yep. the same kind of effect, you know, <laughs> that way people, uh, it, uh, distracts them from any inane points that I'm making on the board. They just, Oh, look, the dancing monkey, you know, <laughs> Oh, and here I went with a picture of myself. That was my first mistake. Um, So, Michael, tell us what you're working on at the moment. Uh, Well, I'm trying to – I'm going to have a pretty ambitious next year if I can help it. Um, I had a book I wrote called Angel Falls that I placed in uh, the Amazon – breakthrough novel award competition for 2010. I was actually a quarter finalist in that, um, with that book and it got a lot of really good positive reaction and I've been shopping it around to agents and, you know, publishers as, as we have to do forever and ever, it feels like. Um, but I'm kind of nearing the end of that cycle and, um, probably going to try to self-publish it next year, um, along with some short stories, not all in one collection, but basically I'm trying to package all of my short stories, uh, and do, kind of release them throughout the year in ebook form and possibly print form, uh, leading up to, uh, getting the book out in the fall. So hopefully I'll be able to drum up a lot of, you know, buzz and support for that. Um, I have it, it's, it's out to a couple other agents and publishers, but you know, if that, if that falls through, that's the big plan for, for next year. 
we just talked to Alan Guthrie, who um, who heads up uh, Blasted Heath, um, and uh, he had some really interesting things to say about um, self publishing, and uh, he felt the the feel that that was uh, going to be some of the future here that that we see. So you can be very very successful doing that. So we're very excited to see more people get out there and do it. Yeah, I mean, I just I started reading. Um, it's one of those weird kismet things where I read an article by um, Barry Eisler, or actually I heard a podcast where Barry Eisler was a guest, and he's an author that's just exploded in, in making ungodly amounts of money through self-published books. Famously, just last year, I guess turned down a half a million dollar advance from uh, a big press so that he could <laughs> publish on his own. And he he uh, and Joe Conrath, who's another big um, self-publishing guy, uh, released a free ebook uh, conversation about you know their whole experience with it and what they think about the the field, um, which happens to be titled "Be the Monkey." So that kind of <laughs> felt like, oh my god, you know, it's like one of those light from heaven and the angels are singing like, oh, you've got to do this. So yeah, I've been reading that and just. You know, seeing them break down, you know, the the pros and cons of everything, it just kind of doesn't make sense to to keep playing the the old game when I feel like I could just get out there and you know see try to get out there in the new frontier and see what we can do with it. You know, awesome. So uh, before we wrap everything up tonight, is there anything else you want to plug that maybe we uh, haven't mentioned yet? Um. No, that's just uh, that's pretty much all my stuff going on. I think um, people can. Uh, I guess the uh, the main plug would be that if people want to buy the book, if they want to become a fan of ours on uh, Facebook, and hopefully you guys can put the link maybe on your site or something. Um, uh, there's a discount code on Facebook where you can actually save five dollars on the book if you buy it through Thunderdome um, and not through Amazon. So, good way to save a little money. Uh, get the stories and, uh, yeah, that's it. Uh, there will be, uh, hopefully soon, um, there'll be an ebook version of this uh, collection coming. I just need to, you know, look at how that works. And since this is so heavily based on color photography, it, it probably will not look too good on a, on an e-ink reader. So I've got to look into, you know, um, what the market, how to get in the market just on, you know, iBook and Kindle fire and, uh, the Nook color and things like that. Um, so yeah, this this book still has some some promo journeys to make and, and some uh, some different forms to emerge in, I guess. And uh, we'll see what happens down the road. <laughs> well, you've done a great job with it, Michael. Thanks for taking the time to come on and talk to us today. Thank you so much for having me. It's it has been a pleasure and a lot of fun. And I just also wanted to, you know, while I have the microphone, just thank everybody. Uh, all of the writers that that are in the book, um, obviously, could not have done this without them. Um, and uh, really, it's it's a great collection. Just to tell everybody, it's a great collection of you know established authors. Um, you know, Craig Clevenger, obviously, uh, Richard Thomas, Nick Corpin, Gordon Hyland, people that have books out there, and a lot of new and emerging authors uh, from America and around the world. So, uh, a good introductory buffet to some to some <laughs> new and established talent <laughs> um yeah i said uh, yeah when we were reviewing that was one of the things the thoughts i had was um because the stories are so i guess like you know bite size or whatever um if someone hasn't heard of one of the authors or something it would be a good way to introduce them to say oh you know i haven't heard of them they have these great books check this out really quick this is kind of like indicative of their style or something like that 
Yeah, absolutely. And it's a great, yeah, exactly. I mean, a thousand words is, is not a commitment for anybody to read. Um, so yeah, there's, uh, plenty to, I mean, a lot of voices coming at you fast and, and it's a great thing. Uh, Michael, we just can't thank you enough, both for the, uh, for the advanced copy, giving us the pleasure reading and for joining us here on the show tonight. All right. Thanks so much for having me on guys. Okay, and one more time, really big thanks to Michael Paul Gonzalez for agreeing to come on and talk to us a little bit about his book, In Search of a City, Los Angeles in a Thousand Words. Make sure to go check out Thunderdome.com, that's T-H-U-N-D-A-D-O-M-E.com to check out some of the stories and other cool stuff they've got published over at that website. Also... As Michael mentioned earlier in the show, if you like them on their Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash Thunderdome, uh, you can actually get a, a little bit of a discount on the book. It'll knock about five bucks off of that. Livius actually jumped off the call a little bit early to stick around with Michael and talk about Pearl Jam, so I'm signing off solo this time. You can reach us at bookedpodcast at gmail.com. You can also go to our website, bookedpodcast.com, and also get us on Twitter. It's at bookedpodcast. Make sure you listen to us on Stitcher. It's our favorite way for people to listen to our show. And that'll just about wrap it up for an interview and book review episode of Booked. On behalf of Olivia Snedden and Eddie Vedder, I'm Rob Olson. Keep reading. Nobody got nothing in my pocket.